Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205 205- 3267364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome. I'm always glad that you're here. I sometimes start by saying that I'm excited about the topic today, which is generally true and that's why I'm sharing it. But this time around, I don't know that that's the right word. I would say more like enthralled with or caught up in today's topic in a way that is a little bit scary, but yeah, in some ways also exciting. As I'll explain today, what started for me with a conversation with a room full of high school students a couple of weeks ago on moral issues and decision-making has broadened out to some deep and very interesting conversations with my wife on the decisions and priorities and direction that we're taking in all sorts of areas. I will dig in on all of that and explain to you why I've broken today's content into two episodes. But first, let's cut straight to the chase. I have a question for you. What is your no line? How do you decide when it's time to say no to something? Something for yourself, something for your family? I mean, I trust that you know that we cannot say yes to everything. I will confess to you that I have been caught up in that in years past, this idea that because I am a middle-class American Christian, that I pretty much get to have almost everything. I get to say yes to Jesus and the church and eternal salvation. Certainly, there are some sinful things I have to say no to, but pretty much everything else that the world gets to do and, and pour countless hours into for their own personal joy, I get to do also. I've come to learn through personal experience and counseling with others that this is just a part of the devil's modern-day prosperity trap. He knows that every time you say yes to one thing, whether it seems that crucial or not, you are saying no to something else or someone else. He knows that the more things we say yes to, the more engrossed mentally we become about those things scattering our attention in various directions. And as we'll get to next week, even though some of those decisions are just kind of questionable, They become the pathway, the gateway to deeply dark things. So just as an introductory thought, you and I need to agree that sometimes we need to say no. My question is, how do you go about making that decision? Now, as you and I venture into that territory today, let me explain why there will be two episodes. Today, I want to talk to you about what I would categorize as amoral life decisions. I'm talking about the choices that you make that are not purely moral, like sin or righteousness, obeying scripture or disobeying it. By amoral, we mean things that are not inherently good or bad. They just have consequences. Like, what career path will I choose? Where will I work? Where will my family live? Should we move? Which church should we attend? Down to more daily and immediate questions. What should I be doing in the evenings? How much time am I using on the television versus time reading or praying or with my family? What are my wildly important goals? Do they really even matter in the end? 
do they need to change? These are the kind of questions that Summer and I have been talking about on our walks for the last few evenings. And particularly, when do we need to say no to some of those things? When do we need to change some of those things? We've talked about things related to my work, like should I continue working here at the church in Lindale or should I move somewhere else? Should I add another two gospel meetings to the calendar or should I stay home? We've asked a bunch of questions about our kids. Should they be in this many sports or events? Should we say no to those things? Are we misdirecting them in terms of what matters most? How many televisions should we have in our home? Do we really need YouTube TV or Disney Plus? I think in times past we were like, no, it's fine. Like, we'll just do all this stuff, but we'll be good Christians when we do it, and everything will be fine, and there'll be time for everything. There most certainly is not time for everything. And we've been wondering, like, what would it even take for us to say no? What would have to happen for some coach to say, we want your kid to do this, and us go, no, we're not going to do that? What would it take for some church to say, we need you to come here and do this, and me say, no, for very important reasons, I just cannot come through for you? We've talked about money. How much money do we really need to save? How big does our house need to be? How nice do our cars need to be? By what metric would we go, no, we do not need to hoard that much for the future? No, we do not need a car that costs that much money. And I need you to understand, it's not about checking yes or no on specific topics. I'm just tossing examples to you that have come out of our natural conversation. The bigger question is, are we even thinking through this? And do we have an identity, a central concept of how we want to live this life that is allowed to at least have a say in the daily decisions or the bigger, longer-term ones? So I want to use some time today just talking to you about who you are as a Christian and what that means and then the process you use to make amoral life decisions, big and small, even day to day. Now, to tease a little bit for next week, this all started for me a couple of weeks ago. I was meeting with some high school Christians, and I was talking to them about the parties they attend, about dances they do or do not attend, and about things that they choose to watch on their televisions or phones. And I elected not to be specific, like here is a school dance under this parameter, how many will go and how many won't. Here is a Netflix show that is TV mature for language, who will watch it and who will not. I was more interested in the title question today, which is, where's your no line? At what point do you look at that thing and say, that is not what I'm going to watch? At what point do you look at those clothes and say, that is not what I'm going to wear? At what point do you know about that party and you know who's going and you know what it's about and you say, no, as a Christian, that is not for me. I'm telling you, I think we have fallen into a yes culture where we just sort of dabble in anything and everything. We have the fear of missing out, which I think is super foreign to first century Christians. And what it's caused us to do is make choices that zap our attention from more important things but as we'll talk about next week, it puts us in places where lots of terrible things catch on and begin to dominate our lives because we said yes when we should have said no. Okay, more on that next week, but let's back up a little bit. I'm not asking you why you put yourself in compromising places or why you tolerate a certain amount of immorality on the television. I'm not even asking you about things that are gray like that. I'm asking you about the way you allocate your time what you do for a living, what you do in the evenings, how you allocate your money, 
what you save and what you spend and how you spend it? Like, what hurdles are those things having to clear before they're a go? Or have you bought into this green light, let's just do everything and get everything and it will all work out mentality? I will tell you that I believe that that has contributed to anxiety and stress and in some ways has us scattered in so many directions and giving everything top-notch value that we've just missed out on the whole core of who we are and the way the Bible has laid out for Christians to live. So let me take a few minutes and start with that. I've been reading the book of First Peter recently. It's a part of our Excel Still More, a chapter a day Bible read. And it speaks directly to the identity that you and I are supposed to possess, the central system through which every decision of our lives must run. Let me give you just a few highlights from that letter today. I plan on preaching on this next week, and it will be certainly more biblically detailed. But chapter one talks about how God chose us to become his children. We have been adopted into his family. We have received the eternal, imperishable inheritance, and we are protected by his power. We will be tested, but much of our testing will be the value of that relationship. And that testing comes every day. It comes in all of the plethora of things that lie before us. At my core, my hope is that I am in the family of the Lord. I am a child of God, and I want to represent his name and his honor as the most important thing because his inheritance and eternal life is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But as you move later in the chapter, it isn't just that idea of wanting to be with God forever. It is also wanting to be like God. In chapter one, it talks about how his children, his obedient children, want to be conformed to his holiness. He is holy, and so we want to be. Do you know what that word holy means? It means purified and sanctified and set apart. I'm not here to be just like the world. I'm not here to make use of everything like those in the world do. I'm not here to have everything. I am here to be different. I am here to represent a spiritual focus and holiness that mirrors in some meager way what matters to God. Am I ready to admit that everything in the world can't matter to me and God still matter most? What I drive or how great of a baseball star my kid is or what I do for a living or how often I get to vacation, does it even occur to me that living for all of those yeses without refining them at all, without being tested concerning them, could work counter to my identity as being in the family of God? and showing what it means to be different to the world. Now listen, I'm not saying they absolutely do that. I'm asking you, are you ready to at least ask the question? When it comes to being holy for the Lord, do I have a no line where this thing might not be inherently sinful, but the way it will demand my attention and dominate my life will make me just like everyone else, and I'm not supposed to be just like everyone else. Chapter 2 digs in on that heavily. It talks about how we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You might argue, I'll say yes to everything, and I'll just glorify God in all of those things. 
And you certainly should be seeking to glorify God in anything that you agree to do on your own or with your family. But two verses later, it reminds us, though, that we are aliens and strangers in this world. Yes, that means we abstain from fleshly lusts, but it also means we have this behavior that is so centered on Christ that it draws the eye of our neighbor. What they're living for and what we are living for is noticeably different. Now, I get it. That's true when it comes to choosing to get drunk or dress immodestly or use profanity. But I'm asking you, isn't it a little bit more than that? I mean, the home next door is spending the whole evening just devouring Dancing with the Stars, eating up hours and mindless binging through meaningless television shows. Isn't there something about who you are as a Christian? Child of God, holy and set apart, temple for his dwelling, longing for the word, strangers and aliens, willing sacrifices to take on the purpose of Christ, 1 Peter chapter 4. Isn't there some point where you say, no, no, we're not going to devote our time to that. No, we're not going to fill our schedule with this. No, I'm not going to pursue that career path. Not because it's inherently worldly or sinful, but because it leans into a path of life that is not consistent with the new life that I've been gifted by Christ. Saying yes to those things is saying no to other things. Now, keep in mind, this isn't next week's episode. I'm not warning you that if you watch this, you may start doing that. I'm not connecting it to immoral suggestive, dangerous pathways. I'm just asking about the way you filter anything and everything that you do and if it is consistent with what matters the most. My buddy Ben Shipley sent me a quote he had found today that says the following, and this kind of unites last week's wildly important goals with today's content. Many people have a hard time making decisions because they don't know what is important. When you have a clear mission and you are completely sure what is important to you, Most decisions become easy. Once you've fully committed, you don't need rules for how to spend your time. It's obvious which decision to make. It's clear what to prioritize. Many people don't need productivity or time management advice. They need conviction. And I hope that's what you're getting from today's episode. I am not trying to micromanage your Netflix account or what you do for a living or whether your kid's in a pickleball league or how much money you have in the bank. No more than, as you'll hear next week, I tried to convince those teenagers on where they must and must not go. I just wanted to know, how are you making those decisions? If I am convicted to be a New Testament Christian, and I don't just mean an initial thing like being baptized, or an organizational thing like worshiping at a church with elders, or who take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, I believe in all of that, but those are generally initial or preset situations. I mean, Acts 2, devoted, continually devoted to teaching and prayer and study and fellowship. I mean, meeting in the temple courageously and with conviction. And I mean, day by day with hospitality, being with other believers and in their homes to encourage each other in this crucial walk as wholly set apart strangers in this world. I want to say yes to more of that. I want to say yes to all of that. Those things service my identity in my direction. But who's got time for that? I'll tell you this, not someone who says yes to everything. 
So you can see this isn't just no for the sake of discipline, it's no for the purpose of things that matter most. All of a sudden, we're on a walk asking huge questions about where we live or where we work or what we're doing with our time and money. Like I told you in the intro, I don't know that I'm like excited about those conversations, but I'm enthralled by them. And there's this fire burning within me that says, we've been needing to talk about this for a long time. And beyond just the two of us, we want to train our kids that all of our decisions are intentional. And the priority in all things is to service and magnify the glory of God. Listen, some of this demands that you see the end from the beginning. The book of 1 Peter does a little bit of that. It wants you to focus on eternal life and inheritance and glory because if your eyes are set on what matters in the end, it will help you decide what matters today. I admit to you, this has been a major factor for me and Summer and I have talked about it a lot. Not always looking at eternity, but just looking down the stream of time. Our youngest are 10 and 12. We only get so many years with them. I need to say no to some things to prioritize what I'm trying to build in them. She and I have talked about what our mission in Christ might be, how we might help people after our children are grown. Well, you know what? I need to say no to some things now to make that a real possibility. This has helped me in my health also. My dad had back surgery this week. There are some genetic issues in our family as well as a few other factors along the way. And I've got to tell you, by casting my eyes forward, if the Lord allows me to live another 30 years, I want those years to be enjoyable years. I want to maximize the potential of that time. So I've been saying no to sugar and grains for 95 straight days. If it was just about losing weight, I would say no for a while and start saying yes again. But if it's about owning that today's no's lead to tomorrow's yeses, and if I'm thinking more long-term, then I can say no to something today for myself or for my family, not because that thing is sin or almost a sin, but because it does not contribute to our vision or our goal or our God-designed mission. So I guess what I'm saying is when you go into evaluating just regular parts of your life, I hope that you now get that you cannot say yes to everything. And while it all seems to make sense in the moment, it ultimately sabotages the things that matter most to you. And sometimes it even confuses you on what matters most. But what I'm saying is casting your eyes forward to what better looks like or where you want to see things go or what you're building towards can make a major difference. First Peter talks about sacrifice. It does talk about drinking parties and not going to those things and being maligned and persecuted. It talks about saying no to things and being hurt for it. But he already told us what it was all about in chapter one when he said, the outcome of your faith will be the salvation of your soul. So please let that factor in. Make everything that demands a lot of you rerun itself through a filter to get to a yes. And if it doesn't pass, cut it and replace it with those beautiful spiritual things that have been knocking at the door of your life for a very long time. There just hasn't been any room in the inn. Let's make some room. So part of what has sobered me up on the intoxication of pursuing things and eating up my life with them has been conversations with older Christians about the things that they regret in their life. I certainly don't bring that up, but it's something that quite often they want to bring up. I've spoken to people who've traveled all over the world. I've spoken to people who had great careers and accomplished incredible things and some who have accrued exceptional wealth. 
They said yes to a whole bunch of roads that led in those directions. And yet when they look back on their life now, they frequently say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish we would have been more involved with God's people. I wish we hadn't tried to do so many things and missed the most important things. These people are near the end of their journey. You and I are not, but listen to them. They've been through decisions that you are yet to make. And now as they look back at their life and what they're saying is there are a lot of decisions in my life that I thought I had to say yes to, but I should have said no. Because a lot of the yeses in my pursuits were no's to my family and to God's people and to God himself. Not directly, like spitting in their faces, but consistently and in a way that led to regret. I don't want that for me, and I don't want it for you, and those people wouldn't want it for you either. So spend some time this week just running through all of the yeses, the things that are just getting green-lighted left and right. Measure them up against your identity, your purpose, and your convictions. Because even when it comes to amoral daily life decisions, I'm asking you, what is your no line? Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.